Good morning. It's good to have this number out with us for our first half of our worship service. And of course, if you're visiting with us, we're, you're, you're our honored guest, and we're definitely thankful to have you here with us. This morning, I want us to open up to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. So if you turn there with me, and when you find that, also find Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be kind of going in unison with these two, uh, with these several passages of verses this morning as we kind of flip back and forth, and I think that's when my bookmarks come in super handy, where they, I can go back and forth so easily. So hopefully you get your finger in both of those, and we'll begin in Ephesians chapter 5, starting in the first verse. We're definitely appreciative of Brother Mark reading the scriptures this morning, filling in for Daniel, and it kind of goes hand in hand with our lesson this morning. As our first uh, passage of scripture is Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, what a wonderful statement to know that we can walk in this world as God himself would walk, as we learn also in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7, to, for to, to walk this earth and put on the light and, and know that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So if we read from Ephesians 4 and verse 5, verse 1, we know that our commandment is to walk this world as God himself would walk. Well, first off, you've got to look at the attributes of God. And we see those attributes through his son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth. Gave that perfect example of a Christian life for us to follow. So when we behave like Christ, we're looking good to God. For as, we, for as Christ himself told his disciples who he, whom he was teaching about the kingdom of God, he said, if you want to see God, in a matter of speaking, if, if you want to see God, just look at me. Look at who I am because he sent me. I am from my Father in heaven. And all the things that he has shown to me, now I'm showing them to you. He's showing that to, uh, today, of course, through us, through his scriptures. And in verse 2 of Ephesians chapter 5, And walk in love as Christ also has loved us, and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So as we're out there in the world, walking as God in, in verse 1 and verse 2, to walk in love just as God himself, through Christ, walked in love. So we think about the idea of walking in love. My mind goes to John chapter 15 about the idea of abiding in God and in Christ by keeping his commandments. So we think about walking this earth, this sinful place. And we also refer back to Matthew 7, the land for ourselves treasures in heaven, not on the earth. And of course, we're going to look in, in Colossians chapter 3 at the end of this lesson to refresh our minds about the idea of not walking in this world of the world, because we have to be here. We have to work elbows to elbows with those individuals who are lost. Our instructions as a child of God to walk in love. All right, so as you have your finger in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. Galatians 5, starting in verse 16, as we kind of go in unison with these passages of Scripture. <clears throat> Paul, again, he writes there to the church in Galatia. He says in verse 16 of Galatians 5, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So as he's telling the church in Galatia and the church in Ephesus, he says to walk in love, not fulfill the, the, the lusts of the flesh, not the lust, the, the lust and the lures and the, the enticings of the devil. Again, not of the flesh, but of the world. And as we learn just in the very next verse of 17, Galatians 5, that the two are contrary to one another. Before we get there, go back to Ephesians chapter 5 in verse 3. But fornication 
and all uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as it is fitting for saints. Well, let's look at this verse for the next few minutes. The word fitting. How many of y'all ever bought a pair of clothes or a pair of pants or a shirt and you tried them on? Yeah, my wife don't like going with them when I go try pants on. She don't like it because I'm an odd size and it's difficult to find me clothes that fit just right. She says, I don't ever want to go do that again. Well, if you go do that, you know you're going to get something that fits right. You're not going to get something that's too big. You're not going to get something that's too, too tight. You're going to get something that fits just right. So when we think about our characteristics, the person who we are in our everyday walk of life, who do we look like? Because we know who Christ looked like. We know who he represents and who he represented and continues to represent today. Are we fitting? Did we try him on? Did he fit just right? I seriously hope so. Because as he fits just right, then and only then can we call ourselves a Christian. And we have this, uh, this statement that we shouldn't have to call ourselves a Christian. It should, it should be shown through our acts. It should be shown through our speech. As, we, as these things that we are not named among us, even that is fitting for saints. These things of the world shouldn't fit right. It shouldn't fit right. My mom and my sister like putting puzzles together. And I will never forget her carousel puzzle that took almost two years to put together. Little bitty pieces, this thing was massive. It's finally got together a long time ago. Now it's hanging on my sister's wall. Well, I could just imagine one piece not fitting just right. You try to put that piece in there, it's real close. But me being the impatient one at that time, I was going to try to make fit. And mom said, it, ain't, it don't go there. It don't go there. I'm going to make it go there. Now imagine if you put that puzzle together that way. It would not look like what it was supposed to look like. It's supposed to fit together. It's supposed to slide right in and go, now it looks right because it fits together and it fits right. As these things are named among us, fornication, uncleanness, or covetousness, Picture yourself calling yourself a Christian and these things you are involved in. All right, so now turn back over with me to Galatians chapter 5. In verse 17. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are, notice this, contrary to one another. It's like oil and water. It doesn't mix. So that you do not do the things that you wish. We do the things that God wishes us to do, not the things that we should that we should do or we would want to sin and do those things. We can't do those things. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, here we go, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will, notice this, not inherit the kingdom of God. These things, verses 19, 20, and 21, the first of 21, are the works of the flesh. We turn back over to Ephesians 5. We can't let those things be named among us because those things are not fitting for saints. It's like that odd piece of puzzle that don't go where it's supposed to go when you're trying to fit it in. We are not looking like Christ when we have these things named among us. These things are things that involve you and I. 
human beings. Things that we have an opportunity to participate in our everyday walks of life. Knowing this, when we participate in such things, as we've been baptized for the remission of sins, goes right back to having the knowledge of our sin and sinning willfully. Hebrews 10, verse 26. We may mention that in our Bible class this morning. There no longer remains a sacrifice for your sins. And if you carry on with that idea of sinning willfully, you're lost and you're trampling the name of the Son of God underfoot. You're counting His blood a common thing. That would be terrible on Judgment Day. To stand before God, knowing that you're sinning, and you were sinning the whole time, spitting in the name of the face of God. Just spitting in His face. That would be horrible. To know these things are the works of the flesh. I believe verse 17 said they're contrary to one another. It's like oil and water. You can't have one and the other. It's one or the other. So we read back in Ephesians chapter 5. Carrying on in verse 3. But fornication, uncleanness, and covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither, the list carries on, filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. There's that word fitting again. Hmm. So let's think about this idea of <coughs> trying to fit our spirituality in the, into the sins of the world. It cannot happen. What do you mean when you say that? When, when you say it, it can't happen. I see it happening all the time. These folks who, are, who call themselves Christians and they're behaving however they want to. Folks, I'm here to tell you right now. We can call ourselves anything we want to. I can call myself a Christian till I'm blue in the face. But if I'm not behaving like a Christian, if I, my speech is not as Christ's speech would have been, if my treatment of others is not as Christ was, had taught those individuals who he was around, I can't really actually call myself a Christian and not lie. So how do we look? How do we behave? What is our speech? Is it Christ-like? I seriously hope so. Because as we try to fit sin into our spiritual lives, we are no longer His. And then verse 5 of Ephesians 5. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Well, that sounds familiar. We just read that in Galatians 5. Did we not? In verse 21, the very end of it. Just as I told you in times past that those who practice such things, those things of the world, those works of the flesh, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul is making a point to these two churches. There are things happening in your congregation that needs to be corrected. If they didn't need to be corrected, he wouldn't have made mention of it. So these things that we are learning this morning, the things of the flesh, the things of the world, we need to give them up. For as we've been commanded ourselves to be living sacrifices, as a child of God, we give up the world. We give up the ways of the world. We give up the sins, the pleasures, the things that Satan entices folks with. We give those up. Because we take pleasure in serving God and Him alone. Folks, do we realize that's the reason why human beings are here in the first place? To worship and serve God. That's it. How many people today are serving their own belly? As we learned this morning in Romans chapter 16. 
We don't need to serve our own belly. We need to serve the one true living God. Because on judgment day, we're going to have to give answers to the things we have done in our lives, whether good or bad. Ephesians 5, verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, notice this, I want to drive this point home because Paul does right here. The wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. We made a, an example this morning in Bible class about the flood. Sodom and Gomorrah was mentioned, but we also, I wanted to go a little bit further to the flood. Do you remember the reason why the flood came upon this earth? The wickedness of men. Their thoughts, their intentions were wicked continually. And God was fed up. But thankfully, through Noah's eyes, he found grace. And, he, and, and we're still here today. God was, it repented God. He was sorrowful that he had made man. He's sorrowful. He was sorrowful that he made you and I. That's what he seen. He was ready to be done. But thankfully, we're still here. We're still here to have an opportunity to serve Him. Today, we are still breathing. We woke up this morning. We're blessed with another day. We're blessed with another day and an opportunity to serve and worship God. As we have assembled this morning on His day to worship Him, are we doing it in truth and spirit? Because if you are not partakers with Him, you are, again, you are against Him, and verse 5 tells that no unclean person, no fornicator, nor covetous man who is an adulterer has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. If we're serving our own belly, guess who we're actually serving? Satan. Satan is your father if you are serving your own belly. If you are walking this world as a worldly person, those... Uh, well, I just lost the thought. Well, I just lost it, y'all. Works of the flesh. If you're walking, walking this world as the works of the flesh, works of the spirit, works of the flesh, again, they're contrary to one another. Works of the spirit, you're serving God. Works of the flesh, you're serving Satan. Notice something? On judgment day, guess where Satan's headed? He has no opportunity of repentance, as we made mention of this morning. He don't have that option. He is condemned already. And those followers of him, those sons of disobedience that we just made mention of in verse 6 of Ephesians chapter 5. As we're disobedient to God, we are walking with Satan. Just hope that hits home with some folks. Because as we serve Satan, we're going to be with him for an eternity. Let's not be with Satan. When I say we, I mean mankind. As a child of God, know that we have a blessing. We have an opportunity to turn away from the sins that we're involved in. The sins that we do. Because God knows that we are sinners. You and I both, let's be honest, we are sinners. We sin continuously. We're disobedient to God at certain times. Paul said it in Romans 7. He hates it when he sinned. He, excuse me, he's past tense. He hated it when he sinned. We should hate it as well. We shouldn't be, oh, it's all right. We'll get forgiveness of it. No, we need to hate it because it separates us from God. Isaiah 59 2 tells us that. For our sins and our iniquities separates us from our God. Today, the clock is still ticking. 
God is still being patient, patient with us. But his patience does eventually run out. And he will eventually give ways of destruction of this earth. Now with that thought being a little seed, that thought planted into your mind, as everything upon this earth will be destroyed one day, why would we put something other than God first in our lives that was separated from it? Because it's going to be gone. It's going to be gone. But God will last forever. There's something else that will last forever. It's your soul. You might think of this, this idea of destruction is happens and then it's gone. You know, that destruction that we're saved from, that idea of salvation, we're going to get to this next thought. This fall that you're going to be involved in, if you are sinning, if you are a son of disobedience, in verse 6, that lasts forever. Because your soul don't die. That pain, anguish, and suffering will last forever. We have an opportunity today to say, I want salvation from that. I don't want to be involved in that. I want to be saved. I want to be walking hand in hand with God for an eternity. I want to be with Him for an eternity. There's pain, no pain, no suffering, no death, no iniquity, no sin, no devil in the prying and pulling at your thoughts. For he will wipe away all tears. Another thought I had with my grandmother, we were sitting at the table, we had a good discussion. Imagine knowing that you had salvation involved in the fall where Satan is, compared to a lake of fire in Revelations. Knowing that you had an opportunity to not be where you are. Suffering endlessly. That thought is there in your mind. It's there. It's with you. Because the remembrance of God will be there with you. Those in heaven will not remember the lost. We will not. It's hard to fathom, man. It's hard to not remember our loved ones, our friends, our, our family. We won't remember those who are unfaithful. We won't remember because God will wipe away all tears. No sadness that they're not with us, right? It's going to be gone. God blesses us with that absence of, of remembrance to endure eternity with Him. That's, that's so much worth, so much more than anything in this world. And I can't stress that enough. To know that He waits with open arms. Just like the prodigal son's father. He waited. He was looking a great way off. And he seen his son coming back. Does that need to be us? Do we need to, do we need to be on our way back toward God? Have we fallen away? Have we given our heart to God once upon a time and, and we, we've started struggling with our spirituality and we said, these things are, are just too enticing. I had to involve myself with these several lists of things we know that we cannot do, that we can't be any partakers with because it's not fitting for saints to put these things on, to be involved with. To know this, God wants you back. We can come back to him through a repentant act. Repentance, to turn away from, to stop doing the things that separate us from God and come back to him. Isn't that wonderful? And only a child of God has that opportunity. Only, period. Those who have put Christ on through baptism has that opportunity. Someone who has yet to put Christ on through baptism, they can repent all day long. They can turn away, they can come back, but yet still they have not put Christ's blood on and they cannot adhere to 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. They can't do it. 
They don't have the access to the blood of Christ to cleanse their sins. That's the reason why we're baptized, for the remission of sins. That's what it was taught in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Because they asked that question, men and brethren, what shall we do to get rid of this sin? What shall we do? Oh, Peter said it to him too. He said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the gift of the Holy Spirit will be given unto you. For the remission of sins, folks. To put Christ on. Galatians 3.27 also tells us that. Have you yet to be baptized this morning? Have you, have you yet ready to give your heart to God? Have you, have you, are you ready to make that change? Are you ready to put Christ on to get forgiveness of your sins? Ready to start your spiritual walk? It's important. Because as we do not start our spiritual walk through baptism, we are lost. Let's not be lost. Because as we are disobedient in any one case, shape, form, and fashion, we are considered in God's eyes a son of disobedience. Another small example. If I was to ask you a question, not considering the Bible, not being a Christian, if I was to ask you a question, which is worse, lying or murdering? A normal, rational, thinking human being would say, murder's worse. Lying's really not as bad as murder. Murder's horrible. That's killing somebody, right? You're just lying. Some, you're just, that's just a lie. Now we back up according to the Scriptures, right? We look at it from God's point of view. We realize that murder and that sin is the same thing. It's a sin. It's disobedience. Nobody ever said that Christianity was going to be easy. Nobody. Actually, we've been instructed to say it's going to be difficult because straight and narrow is the gate that leads to everlasting life. That's the path that God would have you to be on. You might say, well, you said straight, right? That's straight. Like a long road, you can see one end to the other. Not like an arrow. That's not straight. The word is S-T-R-E-I-T. means difficult. Difficult and narrow is the gate that leads to everlasting life. Your Christian walk is supposed to be difficult. Satan, I'm here to tell you right now, he wants it easy. He wants you to think, oh, it's so easy to come along with me and you don't have any rules to follow. You have no instructions to adhere to. You can just do whatever you want to. That's Satan talking, folks. Is Satan talking to you this morning? Because God instructs us, you have to be obedient to me. And I will give you something so much better. So much better than can, Satan can even promise you. Everlasting life. A place that's reserved for true Christians. Now I say true Christians, I mean those who are obedient to God to the best of their ability. Are we that this morning? Have you been baptized for the remission of sins? Or are you an erring child of God? needing to come back through repentance. Do so. Don't wait. Don't wait any longer. There is no reason you should walk out of these doors of this auditorium being lost. There's no reason. So why not be saved? This morning, the invitation to song has been chosen, and hopefully my message has pricked your heart enough to respond to the gospel. You might say, well, I, I don't know enough. I know enough to know that if you are not baptized for the remission of sins and you are an erring child of God, refusing to come back to Him, you are lost. Don't be lost. Come to God. He encourages it. We welcome it. Why don't we do so as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation?